Welcome to Centerpoint Church, where we are all about loving and leading people to a life-changing connection with Christ. We're so excited that you decided to join us today, and we believe that no matter where you're listening from, this message will enhance your connection with Christ. We hope you enjoy this message. Hey, yay! Come on, don't, don't let a couple people clap alone, right? Everybody, we're celebrating God's goodness. So I just want to begin this way. I just want to simply start out by saying a big old yay, God, because sometimes I just feel like it resets my spirit on the inside, and it might help you too. I just want to just say yay, God. Just try saying that. Like, just think about not, not oh, every, everything's perfect in my life right now. No, 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 it's not even about that. It's about the fact that God is an amazing God and has, has, has a whole universe that he's overseeing and has his hand in and has a destiny that he's writing in and through your life. And just say, yay, God. Yeah. Like, he created the heavens and the earth and he reigns forever. You could say it louder. Yay, God. It just sometimes is the right thing to do, to step back from everything that we're right in the middle of and just say one more time, say it, yay, God. Yay, God. We're going to jump into uh, Romans chapter 8 in just a moment so you can get your Bible out and turn there. But I I have a place that I hope to visit one day, and, and it's in Brazil. If I ever get a chance to travel down to Brazil, there's this one uh, place I want to visit, and it's called the uh, Pedra de Telegrafo. Or, or it probably sounds a little different in, in Portuguese. But uh, the Pedra do Telegrafo, I'll just pretend like I speak Portuguese, which I don't. And, and it's this place where, you know, there's, there's this amazing rock formation that, I mean, people go there and take these selfies, and you have to be an absolute athlete to be able to climb this thing. And people do crazy things up there just to get a picture because it's so amazing. You have to be an incredible, strong person to be able to... To be able to get there or not. <laughs> oh, uh, what? See, sometimes to really understand something, you need to be able to see the big picture. Keep that picture up for just a moment. And I just want you to look at this and get it in your mind. To understand things, sometimes you have to see the big picture. The problem is, when it comes to your, your own life, you can rarely see the big picture. And that's just in your life. When it comes to the whole world and the whole universe, you can not see the whole picture. But to understand something, you really do need to be able to see the whole picture. Okay, so that's good. I want you to just have that thought in mind as we get ready to jump into the scriptures. That, that really, to be able to understand, you, you, you've got to be able to see the whole picture and to been, begin to recognize, and I probably can't right now, in the middle of it, see the whole picture. And so that might cause me to struggle to understand, but that is an invitation to step into a deeper closeness with my God, the one who is the creator of the bigger picture. Okay, so we're going to jump into Romans, and as we're jumping there to Romans 8, uh, this series is one in which we're, we're taking a month or so to just dive into this one chapter of the Bible because it's full, full, full for us of revelation, of things God wants us to see that will deepen our faith. Uh, but I, I want you to remember where we came from last week. Last week, this section of, of Romans that we finished last week, it took us from where we are to an attention on 
future glory. And if you remember the message, I could sum it up now, but it was that we would, we would focus on the future glory to be able to make it and, and persevere through the present grind. And we, we, we oriented our spirit a little bit last week with those words around an attention to something way out ahead, future glory. And it's right to do this. It's right to think about future glory. And when you're reading the book of Romans, you realize the future glory really is about heaven, ultimately. And, and what we came to get our hearts around, I hope anyway, last week, is that heaven is not some kind of an afterthought. Like, oh, yeah, I guess this is the you know, pie in the sky thing, one day in the by and by, whatever. I got work to do. It, but instead, to recognize that Jesus paid a great price for you to be able to anticipate heaven. And it is meant for you and me to be a treasure, to be something that whenever we're going through, whatever we're going through, we have something and, and, and a treasure, a, a reward awaiting us that is like a, a beacon, shining light into whatever we're trudging through with darkness right now. So maybe somebody, you can just say amen. Like you're tracking with me. You get that. You're saying, yes, I, I treasure heaven. I'm not going to let what Jesus paid with his own blood for be an afterthought for me. Amen. 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 But we get our, we, we get our, our bearings around that future glory with reference to where we are right now. And where we are right now, for some of us, is awesome. It's just great. And others of us, it's, there's some challenge, there's some struggle. And for others of us, there's deep pain. But our, our now is a reference for us. And for so many of us, the current reality is one where there's just a lot of struggle. There's disappointment. There's pain. There's things that aren't working. There's troubles. There's the trials. There's suffering, right? And, and we're in this moment where we're waiting. We're waiting for God to do something. We're wondering, God, where are you? And what are you doing while all of this stuff is going down in my life? And I really believe that what we're about to read in Romans 8, it speaks to that. And, and so I want to just jump in and recognize the, the, the weight that some of us are trudging through and how God's word speaks to it. Romans 8, 25, it says, if we look forward to something, that's that future glory, if we look forward to something we don't yet have, we must wait patiently and confidently. And the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for, but the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. And the Father, who knows all hearts, knows what the Spirit is saying. For the Spirit pleads for us believers in harmony with God's own will. So here we are in the middle of, of stuff, of challenge, of trial, of, of opportunity, but all of it it pulls at something deep within us. Where we are right now isn't where we really want to be in some ways. And what we're dealing with right now, it isn't the way we wish it was. And in those moments, we do have something inside of us going, God, what are you doing? And where are you? And what's happening? And what is my place in it all? And, and then into those very moments, this word from the heart of God comes. Again, in verse 26, it said, and the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for, but the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. 
at verse 26, the beginning of it, I just want you to say this out loud with me. Ready? Just the first sentence. Go. And the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. One more time. Say it again. And the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. Say it again. And the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. In our weakness. You and me spend a great amount of our life just working on getting stronger, right? I mean, we, we go to school, we learn how to get stronger as little kids, stronger in our math and stronger in our writing and stronger. We get stronger in gym class. We get stronger, we join a team and we're going to get stronger on that team. And we go to the gym and we, we want to go there and get stronger. And uh, we, we take a certificate program so that we can be stronger in our career. And we go to college, we get a degree so we can be stronger for uh, this, this path that we think is out ahead of us. It is. And and it's great. I'm, I'm all for it. I really am. I'm for it. The development and the attaining and the moving towards and wanting to be stronger. But what I'm seeing here is God saying, but at the other end of the spectrum, at the place of your incapacity, at the place of your brokenness, of the place of your lack, of the place of your struggle, of the place of your pain, of the place of your brokenness, the place of your weakness, that's where the love, the energy, the force, the power of God can birth something deep. And I want to say, yes, God. I want to even say, Yay, God, that in my weakness, you're right there. Where are you, God, when everything's hurting and when it's so hard, when it's such a struggle, when it's so difficult, where are you? At work. At work. And this message today, what I want to say is that my resolve is, is this conclusion. I trust Holy Spirit is working in my weakness. I trust that Holy Spirit is working in my weakness. I trust that Holy Spirit is working in my weakness. I want you to say it with me. Say it. I trust that Holy Spirit is working in my weakness. One more time, say it. I trust that Holy Spirit is working in my weakness. Say it again. I trust that Holy Spirit is working in my weakness. I mean, I, I don't really want the weakness. I don't. I want victory all day long. I do. I, I want stronger. I want uh, better. But then my reality includes this too. It's just a little different from me than it might be for you. But for so many of us, this is part of humanness. It's the, weak, the weakness. And his promise is, and I'm going to work in it. I trust that Holy Spirit is working in my weakness. Put that back up on the screen for a second. I trust that Holy Spirit is working in my weakness. I, <laughs> I tried to give this phrase a little bit of rhythm to you so you might remember it. I trust that Holy Spirit is working in my weakness. I trust that Holy Spirit is working. <laughs> and I know somebody right now, you're, you're pulling out your grammar and going, wait a minute, you forgot the word the. The Holy Spirit. Don't write somebody. And I know I've mentioned this before, but I'm going to keep on reminding me and you of it. But... but that word the is, is, is 
sometimes a bit of an interruption, right? If, if I were to say, oh, like, hey, I want to go talk to the Lauren, <laughs> she'd be like, wait, no, I, I, I am Lauren. I'm not a thing, right? Same with Holy Spirit. Jesus, Father, Holy Spirit, person. And so sometimes even in our language, it's helpful to remind ourselves, I'm, I'm, I'm interacting with the person of God, Holy Spirit, and I trust that Holy Spirit is working in my weakness. When I'm in the middle of it, I don't know what's going on. I don't know why it's happening the way it is. I don't know why this pain is coming. I don't know why this hasn't resolved. I don't know why I feel inadequate about it. I don't know, but I do this. I trust that Holy Spirit is working in my weakness. You say it one more time with me. Say it. I trust that Holy Spirit is working in my weakness when I'm struggling because it's dark and I don't see the path in front of me. I'm not sure which way to go. I don't know if this is right or I don't know if I messed up too bad. I, I don't know if I have what it takes, but I trust that Holy Spirit is working in my weakness. He's not only working when I'm on the mountaintop and proving some big thing. He's at work when I have nothing, when I'm empty, when I'm hurting, when I'm struggling. He's right there. Right there, I trust Holy Spirit is working in my weakness. Verse 26 again, it said, and the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. Would you just say that one more time? Say it. And the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. I think this is kind of an anchor verse for this whole section of, of Romans 8. I hope you'll remember this, because in a few minutes we're going to get to some dicey territory, and I want you to remember what we just said. But let me read the whole verse again, Romans 8, 26. And the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. For example, we don't know what, to, what God wants us to pray for, but the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that can't be expressed in words. Can we just talk about groaning for a minute? <laughs> so groaning is a kind of an expression that's universal for human beings. It, 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 it brings something out from deep within us. The, the struggle, the disappointment, the anticipation, the wish, the longing, the hurt. All of it that's so beyond words and the weight of it all that I that can't convey with just a logical construct, it just begins to flow with something like, ah, right? You hear groaning when somebody dies unexpectedly and suddenly. You hear groaning when a woman is in childbirth. Something's about to happen. And that, that groan, what, what I'm reading here in the scriptures is that it's a vital part of a real spiritual life, of like allowing the deep stuff to just have its place to be expressed. The beyond words, the beyond words essence of who we are and what we're going through needs a chance to flow. And Holy Spirit is at work activating, partnering with, and actually even groaning within you. It's like as though God is saying there's a place for all that need to express that goes beyond the words. <laughs> Think about it for a minute. You show up at a football game of your favorite team and, and they score an amazing play. Uh, you don't uh, sit there and then fold your hands and say, well, that was a splendid display of athleticism. <laughs> probably not. You probably jump out of your seat, and before you know it, without anybody even telling you, you're just going, ah! And what is that? 
It's this primordial, visceral expression that, that goes beyond words. And there's a place for our spiritual life to have an expression kind of like that. I, I, I find myself sometimes like somebody will say to me, hey, uh, will you pray for me? And sometimes when someone says that, I'll say, yeah, of course. And I'll you know, pray right on the spot, like sneak attack prayer. Like, boom, praying right there, right? And, and then other times when someone says, will you pray for me? I find myself thinking, I don't want to pray for you. Is that bad? I mean, I'm a pastor and I probably shouldn't think that, but. Sometimes I think that. Like, I don't want to pray for you. But what I mean is, you, you don't need me to pray for you. you. You really don't. You don't need me to pray for you. You need to allow what the Spirit of God is doing deep within you to get unblocked so that the groan of the Spirit can be heard. Sometimes when someone says, can I pray? Can, can you pray for me? What I really want to do is say, no, I, I'm not going to pray for you, but this is what I am going to do. I'm going to come alongside you, and I'm going to get down next to you, and what I really want to do is just start shaking you and shaking you and saying, come on. I need to hear you just go, God! I need to just hear you let something come out from deep within. Deep calls unto deep, Psalm 42, 7. God! And then when that begins to happen, then the prayer of the Spirit begins to be released. And freedom can come. And healing can flow. It's, that's what I really want to do. I was thinking about this. I was at the men's retreat, our Center Point men's retreat back in the fall. And I was speaking on the Saturday night session about how much we need God, really need God. And I, I felt myself uh, getting a little bit worked up. I mean, there's 73 or so, maybe 75 guys sitting here in the middle and listening. And, and I felt like, man, God really wants to do something. And I found myself pacing around the circle. Like all the guys are in the middle sitting in the chairs. And I'm just going, we need God. We need God. And I couldn't stop. We need God. We need God. We need to cry out to God. We need to cry out to God. And I'm marching around the room and I'm saying, brothers, I need you to cry out right now. Beyond words, just go, ah! And 75 dudes, maybe it was 69 dudes, just all began to go, and I'm just marching around going, come on, more, more. Like you can only do it a men's retreat up in the mountains, right? Come on, more. And then for about five minutes solid, there's 75 or 69 brothers just going, ah! all the pressure, all the disappointment, all of the frustration all of the unmet desires, all of the wishes, all of the triumphs, all of the losses just coming out in a groan that was in the spirit that brought freedom. There's 69 brothers, well, minus the, the, the four or five that stood by the side and went, no, -uh, that's embarrassing. I'm not doing that. <laughs> but there's, there's got to be a place for it. And don't worry, I'm not going to start marching around this room right now doing that. I realize there's a time and a place for everything. But we do need to recognize what the Spirit wants to do. And we're in the middle, when we're in the middle of the moments of the weakness, we need to allow for the deep groan of the Spirit to be part of what happens for us. I find, I find three things that the Spirit of God is doing when I'm in the middle of my weakness and that, that's a stand-in word for challenge and disappointment and pain and trouble of whatever kind. Where are you, God? What are you doing? Well, this is what he's doing. Holy Spirit is, first of all, he's helping. 
That's what we read. It said, Holy, Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness, helps us. When you're in the middle of it, you need to know this. He's helping you. He is helping you when you're in the middle of the weakness to take one next step after another. He's helping you when you're in the middle of your weakness to discover a burst of strength from God that would allow you to keep persevering. He's helping you. He helps. Everyone say, he helps. He helps. And he prays. Uh, Holy Spirit prays. Holy Spirit prays. The word that's used in other translation is he intercedes. And it's this particular word that means to, to stand between and to pick up and to carry. It carries those kinds of connotations. And it's, it's like as though Holy Spirit is saying, yeah, right in the middle of it, when you don't have the strength to go on, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pick you up. Right when you don't have any, uh, any strength left, I'm going to carry you. He's interceding for you. And he groans. He groans within you. And the groaning is about the understanding and the empathy for all the stuff you're having to deal with, the weight of it all. Holy Spirit feels every ounce of it inside of you. The, the feeling of, of impossibility of how is this ever going to work that you're wrestling with. Holy Spirit is groaning with every bit of it inside of you. He Groans. There's a place for those kinds of feelings, and they do need to have their place to be expressed. So here's my challenge to you, is to let your spiritual life get a little deeper by giving place for the groan of the spirit, the beyond words expression that allows the deep within you to receive the deep call of God on you. So sometimes this is, is a, a, a kind of prayer, like that groaning that happened with the brothers up at the men's retreat. It was a kind of a prayer. It was beyond words. And to me, it was an example of Ephesians 6, 18. Like, this is this verse that, that talks about that this way. It says, and pray in the spirit, Ephesians 6, 18, and pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and request. Why don't you read that out loud with me? Ready, go. And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. Stay there again. I want you to say it one more time. And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kind of prayers. Even the kind that just sound like, ha! <laughs> oh, it might just start happening. Watch out. <laughs> Sometimes praying in the spirit, let's just think about this together. Sometimes praying in the spirit is as simple as I'm praying and I'm very aware that Holy Spirit is with me, resting on me, part of the moment. That's praying in the spirit. Another way of praying in the spirit uh, could be praying in tongues. It's beyond words. A heavenly language. No one else knows what's going on, but there's a direct connect between me and my God. I, like Paul said, I wish, I wish that all of you would pray in tongues. And I feel that way too. I mean, that's a daily part of my finding strength in the Lord, praying in tongues. That's a praying in the spirit. Sometimes the praying in the spirit is even just beyond that. It's just the groaning <laughs> carried by the power of Holy Spirit because what we're dealing with is just so ineffable. So I want us to take this to heart and understand the context the groans. 
I was not sure if I wanted to share this, but I decided I would. I, a, a few months ago, uh, I, I was in a place of a little bit of desperation, you know, dealing with stuff going on in my body, and uh, the pain thing was just, it was at the point of too much. And, and I saw something pop up on, on uh, my feed. It said, Festival of Miracles. And it was going to be in Coachella. And I thought, Festival of Miracles, I'm there. I'm going, you know. And I didn't know anything about it. And I just decided to go over to this thing called Festival of Miracles. And I walk into the room. And uh, it was the kind of room where you walk in and you go, oh, ooh. And, and some of you, if you would have walked into that room with me, as soon as you walked in, you'd been like, okay, I'm going to go back to the car. Because <laughs> it was one of those. But for me personally, I, I don't care. I need a touch from God. I want a touch from God, and I don't care what it looks like, and if it's a little awkward, a little uh, different than what I'm used to. And so I, I stay, and I'm there with my son. And, and, and I mean, you know how at Center Point, like, there's like eight of us over here that are like, yes, glory to God. <laughs> In that place, the whole entire room, like every single soul, like exploding with a desire for God. I kind of wish that that fire would catch sometimes with us. But I, I sit down over in the front in uh, a couple rows back, and I'm watching what's going on, and I'm just trying to, like, stay to myself and going, I hope I do get a touch from God. And this guy, Ankit Rambabu, is doing the Festival of Miracles. He starts walking around with his Bible in his hand, and he walks over to, he had a couple of people who were standing over in the front, and he walked over to one of them and just said, you need to be filled. And he reached out with his Bible and, like, tapped this woman, just tapped with the edge of, of his Bible, and she fell down on the floor, and then the next woman after fell down on the floor, and the next woman after fell down on the floor, just fell down on the floor going, ah, like a groan in the spirit. And I, and I know some of us right now, we're going, oh, that's just heretical. But is it? Is it really? What I experienced was, wow, these, these women were experiencing the power of the spirit of God, and they could not help but to groan in his presence. And it was, yeah, it was a little awkward, but that didn't mean it wasn't 100% real in the spirit for these ones. And I saw that happening, and then I saw him walking over this way, and I started slinking back into my seat. Like, oh, dear God, no, a little bit. And then he walked this way, and he picked somebody else. And I was like, okay. And, he, and then he came back like 10 minutes later, and he looked right at me, locked eyes with me. And then he learned, took to his two henchmen, I mean ushers or whatever, and he was like, mm. he did like one of those, like, mm. and, and these two big guys just came over to me, literally grabbed me by the arms and pulled me out of my seat and pulled me up to the front, just stood me there. And he said, and he took, here it comes, he took the Bible, and he said, brother, you, you need to be filled. Boom. And he went like this, and he didn't even touch me, but he just Boom, like that. And something about what was going on in that moment and my desperation for God to touch me, I fell on the floor, fell on the floor. And for, I don't know, 30 minutes, this was just a few months ago, I'm just on the floor, just groaning and laughing, both mixed uncontrollably. And the spirit was at work in my weakness. Like, at work, in my weakness. I, if you would have been there and would have taken a picture, you would have gone, uh, our pastor's done, he's toast, he's over, it's over. It, it would have been embarrassing. But the Spirit was doing a deep work in me, and what was happening was I was being healed, healed of things I didn't even know I needed to be healed from. God pulling out splinters, splinters from 2020. Oh, my. 
<laughs> splinters from 22. Tw I mean, there, there were a lot of things that were just uh, being healed in me. And it was a deep work of the Spirit. And it was groaning beyond words. And yeah, it was a little awkward and embarrassing if somebody would have had video footage of it. But you know what? I look back and I go, I don't care. I got the touch of God that I needed in my life that day. And sometimes we need to make room for the kind of groaning. And I'm not, I'm not trying to dictate that we have to fabricate something and make it, make it just like that festival. Of, no. When the Spirit of God is doing a deep work, we make the room for it. That's, that's what we're talking about. Because I trust that Holy Spirit is working in my weakness. There was a, uh, <laughs> there was, we're about to jump ahead to the next section here, but there was, a, there was a TV show, and this is always a little dangerous for me. When I mention a TV show and someone goes, oh, Pastor John recommended this show, and then the next season it turns into some awful, like, embarrassing, scandalous thing. So I, I'm not recommending this. I'm just saying there was a TV show a few years ago called uh, Manifest, and the show Ma Manifest, it was about this plane full of people. And the plane full of people were going on vacation, but the plane crashed, and, and then everybody was sad. It was Flight 828. Eight, flight 828 had crashed. All the people were gone. But then, five years later, somehow Flight 828 reappeared and landed, and everybody was alive. And they came out of the plane just like the way they had gone onto the plane. And yay for Flight 828. And then... Then the, the passengers of Flight 828 started getting these weird headaches and stuff. And so, oh, Flight 828. But then the passengers of 828, they were actually hearing a voice, giving them callings about how they could rescue people who were about to die. So yay for 828. But then a group of people thought, no, 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 these people are from the devil and they're going to like ruin the world. We need to put them in prison. Err, Flight 828. And then uh, a guy who was an atheist that was on 828 became a believer. So yay, 828. But then uh, a little boy who had cancer was healed. Yay, 828. But then people who were on flight 828 started getting killed because they were on flight 828. Err, flight 828. So <laughs> you're going to see what I'm saying in just a moment. But flight 828, it was always like, it's either yay for 828 or oh no, 828. Like, and I'm not trying to say that they got it all right, but they got something in that, in that show of this vacillation between whatever 828 was going to be about, trying to say it wasn't necessarily only about this or only about that. There's some weaving happening. And I want to just jump ahead to Romans 828. <laughs> it said, and we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. I want you to read that with me out loud. Ready, go. And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. One more time, it starts out with, and we know. Almost no matter what translation you pick, it starts out, and we know. You can say it, and we know. And it's not just, uh, we've assembled uh, facts and pieces of information. It's not that. It's, it's a declaration of faith. It's a declaration that deep within, I have a conviction. I believe and I trust and I have faith. 
And there's something about the human being who would have a disposition oriented towards a willingness to say, yay, God, that changes things. And we know. And this is, this is a posture you choose. You step into it. You just decide, I'm going to believe. I'm going to trust. I'm going to have faith. I know. And we know. It begins there. Declaration of faith. And we know. And then there's an acknowledgement of the struggle. Because it says, and we know that God causes everything. Somebody say everything. everything. Or another translation, all things. All things. Everything. And we want this verse to sound like this. God makes everything better. God, it will all be good. We want it to be that way. And what we really mean is, right now, the way I want it to be. But there's this acknowledgement that God makes everything work together for good. Everything. Yeah, God can take your, uh, your accomplishment, and you worked so hard to get that, that degree so that you could get that promotion. And, yeah, and sometimes those are the things. Sometimes. Yes. But God can also take that moment when you cheated and broke the contract and crashed the business. He can take those things too and be at work for the good. In that case, the good included you getting a character lesson that you might be transformed to learn about integrity and honesty in a new way. God can take all things and cause them to work together for the good. All things. The, the wonderful things, the high watermark things, the middle of the road things, the deeply disappointing and painful things. All of them. And work in those things and cause there to be good. So we know, that's the declaration of faith, that God causes everything to work together for the good. Everyone say the good. For those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. Your love for God sets you apart. Did you know that? You know, if you were not somebody who, through faith in Jesus, loved God, everything that we're talking about doesn't apply. But because you, through your faith in Jesus, you love God and you're walking out your life according to his calling for you, you are the object of his affection. He looks at you and says, my daughter, got my eye on you. My son, I got you. You need to allow that to come into your view because he has a fatherly goodness in mind for you. He causes all things to work together for the good, but it's the full range of good. The full range of good. I have inside of me, I have a seven-year-old who's right there inside of me at any moment. I want it this way, and I want it now. That's what's good. And sometimes a father says, you know, <laughs> I have a different kind of good in mind for you. And, and it's a longer term good. And it may be a deeper aspect of good. And the one who created the whole picture is the one who's able to inform and determine what that good really is 
going to be. Romans 8.29 continues this thought. It says, okay, and the good, it, it may be adjustments in your circumstance, but it may even uh, go beyond the circumstance altogether and have to do with what God wants to do in your spirit. Because verse 29 says, God knew his people in advance, and he chose them to become like his son, so that his son would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. Verse 29, again, it said, God knew his people in advance, and he chose them, say this next part out loud, say it, to become like his son, to become like his son. That, the full range of good, ultimately includes that, you being, as another translation says, conformed into the image and likeness of Jesus. That's what God really is after in your life and mine, ultimately. Let me make her a little bit more like Jesus. Let me make him a little bit more like Jesus. And that would be good, huh? But here's the thing. Sometimes people think about, okay, being conformed into the image of, of the Son, Jesus. And we think about that in a... In a, in a, in a unifaceted way. We think that's right, being made more like Jesus, that means got to suffer more. Yes, being conformed into the image of Jesus does include being able to walk through suffering with the grace of God empowering you. That's Jesus. Yes, but that's not all. You think about Jesus for a moment. If God, if God is looking at you going, I want to make you a little bit more like Jesus, let me just remind you a little bit about Jesus. Can I do that? Jesus, Acts 10.38 says about Jesus that he went around doing good and healing all of those who were under the power of the devil. And God is saying, yep, I want to make you more like Jesus. Going around doing good, healing people who are under the power of the devil. Come on, somebody say amen. God's going, I want to conform you to the image of my son. That's a snapshot of him. I think about Jesus and what God wants to do in, in your life and mine. And Jesus healed the sick and cast out demons, and mentored people, and developed people. And God's going, yeah, and I want to make you more like Jesus. Jesus empowered people, and blessed people, and lifted people up, and gathered people, and inspired people, and comforted people, and built strong community of love, loved people deeply, served people well, gave excellent leadership to people, challenged people, moved people, commissioned people, and established a movement that's still changing the world to this very day. And God says, and I want to conform you to the image of my son. I want to make you more like Jesus. <laughs> Do you see what God is after in your life? He's training you. He's stretching you. He's deepening you. He's building you. And as some of us who have been believers for a few decades, were to just kind of take a look back in our lives, we could look back to the hardest things that we ever lived through and recognize that's where the Spirit of God was working so deep inside of me. Th that moment where everything was so bleak and I was at the end of my rope, that's where God was meeting me in this deep way that went beyond what I could even say. And that's why you are the kind of person you are today. Because he was working in your weakness. And we trust that Holy Spirit is working in our weakness. That's what we get to do. Romans 8, 29, I'll finish pretty quick. It says, for God knew his people in advance. He chose them to become like his son so that his son would be firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And having chosen them, he called them to come to him. And having called them, he gave them right standing with himself. 
And having given them right standing, he gave them his glory. Ah, I love, I love the New Living Translation for this verse because it kind of disarms some of the theological weaponry. <laughs> some of you know what I'm talking about. This is one of those parts of the Bible where, like, you get predestination, glorification, justification, and all, all of these big things that, that man, people want to start fighting about. It, it happens. I don't think that's what God intended with his word. Yeah, let me give him something to fight about. <laughs> that's probably not it. But I do want to address it. I want, I want, to, I want to just address it the, the way it hits me, which is God saying, I want you to know how powerful my love for you is. And I want you to know how treasured you are to me. And I want you to know how secure you are in my love. And, and I, I really do believe he's, he's giving this to us as a blessing. And we, we might use the word predestination. And then we might start uh, aiming it as theological weaponry at one another. Well, do you believe in predestination or not? Are you a Calvinist or an Arminian? And we go to places that I don't think God intended us to. But think about it like this for just a moment. Here we are inside of a bubble called reality as we know it. Yeah, here we are. And inside of this reality called, of this bubble called reality as we know it, for us, we think of everything in terms of sequence and chronology and incidents. That's how we see it. That's how we experience it. That's how we look at it. And what we do is we say, and therefore, God needs to do it like we do. And we create an algorithm for how God must do what God must do. But we're like fish inside of an aquarium trying to dictate how the dog over there should respond to the owner over there who just came from his car. Like, he's so, you don't know. You don't know. We, we need to recognize this. Some of the words in the Bible are, are there for our benefit, not for God's benefit. We might think of things in terms of chronology and sequence and algorithmic perfection, but God is not inside and stuck inside of this bubble called reality as we know it. God created that reality and holds it all. And so while for us it's all about this chronology, God holds the whole entire moment as one gigantic now. So did you choose him? Or did he choose you? Yes and yes. And are you safe in his love for you? Yes. And for somebody today, that's what I want to end with. My only question is, do you, do you have a trust in Jesus? Because that settles it. He, he has invited you then into knowing that you are safe in his love forever. And I want to just re remind you of that today. Yep, you've got some things that need to be worked through in your life. Yes, you do. That'll happen as you go. Now, for others, I want to, I want to pray right now that God would do a spiritual awakening for somebody. But before I do that, I want to just share a couple of words of knowledge uh, that 
I was standing in worship a little bit earlier and God gave me two words of knowledge I want to share. And, and the way this works is that for a lot of you, you're going to go, huh, that was weird. I don't know what that was about. That weird thing where saying these, but for somebody else, you're going to go, how did you know that? I mean, that's not, nobody would say that to me, but you're saying that to me. And all it is, is God just wants you to know at a deeply personal level how loved you are. And what I'm about to share for a couple of you, it's like, you're speaking my language. <laughs> like That happened this week. But I, I'm going to share this, these two uh, words of knowledge and you let it stick and you, 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 you hold it if it's good for you. If it isn't, you just let it go. The first one was, like you looked in your hand and you, you were surprised to look and to see that in your hand you were holding an oar, like an oar to row a boat with. And you had a look of like happiness that you had an oar in your hand. But then you were looking and realized, but well, where's the boat? And like from the distance, like carried on the current almost, like as though it had been shoved by a divine hand, the hand of God, this boat just starts coming in. And there wasn't one before. And, and to me, this vision, for somebody, it's your love language, because that you literally have an oar. You do this kind of thing. And, and, but you've been wondering, like, uh, how, how am I actually going to be able to do this? I, and you've said to yourself something like, I don't have what it takes. Even this past week, you've said that phrase to yourself in the mirror or in the car. I don't have what it takes. And this picture is something of God just speaking to you saying, I'm going to provide what it takes. And look, you actually do. And watch, I actually will. So for somebody, I just want you to take that as a, uh, a prophetic affirmation or encouragement for something that God wants to do. The other one, I'm sharing this uh, with safety in mind. But you were, you were trying to do some shooting, like with your gun at the range, and your gun jammed up. It's like just jammed up. And I'm not a, I don't know, I have a lot of experience with guns, so I probably get this wrong, but what I felt like God was saying is it needs to be, the maintenance needs to be tended to. You, you, you need to be able to break this down, put it back together, and have the, lubrication or whatever, correct in this thing. And God is saying to somebody in this particular kind of word that it, your, your hopes are, you're, you're wanting to hit the target, and you can, but there needs to be some diligence about putting the thing together right. And take the time to do that. So those are just a couple of words of knowledge. For somebody, it, you, you're going to you know, send me an email and go, that was crazy. Somebody else, you're going to send me an email going, how did you know? That was exactly, that's just what sometimes happens with a moment like this. But I want to just also have us all pray together. Uh, could you pray with me? God, I pray that in this moment, you would do some spiritual awakening for some of us. I believe you already have been doing it, Lord. But I pray all the more, in particular, I pray that right now for somebody, this could be the moment of once and for all saying yes to Jesus. And while we're gathering together, you need to know this. God expressed the full extent of his love by sending his son. And when Jesus died on the cross, he took all of the penalty for your sin onto himself so that it could be paid for in full and you could be fully free and forgiven. But there needs to be a moment where you would receive that gift, his gift of salvation, the forgiveness of your sins. And for somebody, this moment is now for you to once and for all say, yes, Jesus, would you forgive my sins? 
and save my life. And while we're praying together, if you're here and you would say, or even online, and you would say, I, I need to do that. I want to ask Jesus to forgive me and save my life. You just know. You need his gift of forgiveness. You want the sin and the shame washed away. You want to be set free. I want you to right now just raise your hand. If you're finally ready to say yes to Jesus Christ and to ask him to forgive you and save you, keep your hand up so I can uh, connect with you. Up in the back, keep it up for a minute. Thank you. That's awesome. Anyone else? I don't want to miss you. This moment over on my right, a couple of you, I see both of you. It's great. Is there anyone else? I just want to make sure right here in my left in the middle. Thank you. A couple of you that have had your hand raised, this is what I want you to do right now. Our, our team's going to try to meet with you and give you a Bible, but I want you to talk to God for a minute. Right now, just pray. It, it, you just say something like this, Jesus Christ, I believe in you and I give you my life. Just start there. You can say it with me, Jesus Christ, I believe in you and I give you my life. One more time, just say it with me, Jesus Christ, I believe in you and I give you my life. I repent. I turn away from the sin now. And Jesus, I turn to you. I believe that you paid the price for me to be set free. And Jesus, I believe you conquered death so I could really live. I believe you're alive. So come into my life and be my Lord, my Savior from this moment on. Thank you for this gift of new life. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Why don't you stand up together? And as we're standing, honor who God is, this reigning King, Lord of Lords. And would you just right now say, yay, God, say just one more time say, yay, God. Just one more time shout it, yay, God. Thank you, Lord. You reign forever. You reign forever. Sing this out. He shall reign. He shall reign.